Welcome to the program, listeners. Tyler Friel with you on WISR, 680 AM, 107.5 FM. This is Let's Talk, the half hour where we sit down and chat with various businesses, organizations, and nonprofits in our area. Today is our monthly chat with Family Pathways here in Butler. Our guest is Kylie Shepik. She is the Permanency and Placement Coordinator with Family Pathways. Kylie joins us by telephone. Kylie, welcome back to the program. Always good to chat with you. Thank you so much for having me today. And as we uh, get into our conversation today, which will be centered a lot around foster care, before we get started, we always like to remind our listeners that if you can stick around for the full half hour, we do have you covered. You can go online to WISR680.com and look under our programs page. There you'll be able to find our Let's Talk show and today's conversation and all of our conversations with Family Pathways throughout the year. You can also stream us online at WISR680.com. You can hear us on Alexa Power Device and Let's Talk is available on Spotify as well. Just search for WISR Let's Talk and you'll be able to listen to the program there as well. So once again, Kylie Shepik, our guest from Family Pathways, talking about foster care, Kylie. And I think a lot of folks may be familiar with it, but just in case they're not, what exactly is foster care? So foster care is um, a program where um, usually CYS is involved with a family and for whatever reason it may be, um, children have to come into care for a specific amount of time to get services to help that family make sure that that child is safe in the home. So the number one goal with foster care is always reunification. So the county and all the providers in the area are going to be working with that family to get those children reunified with their um, parents. So foster care can be children that are placed with certified foster care parents if there are no kinship options. But the state has put in a, a big push for kinship options. So children are with somebody that they are familiar with. So kinship has really expanded to um, family members, uh, teachers, coaches, Anybody that has made an impact in that child's life, if they're willing to step up and be a caregiver for that child, that's going to be um, somebody that the county is going to look for over a foster care parent to kind of minimize the trauma of a child being placed with virtually a stranger. But um, we always make sure that all of our foster care parents have all their clearances, that they're safe and appropriate um, caregivers for these children as well. So even though kinship is a big push, sometimes there isn't an available kinship option. And that's when we look at those traditional foster care parents. In a situation where kinship is involved, Kylie, uh, is that a situation where maybe uh, you as an entity and family pathways is reaching out to individuals that are connected uh, to the child who would be placed in foster care? Uh, or do they have to take a more active approach and, and try to, you know, vouch and advocate for the child? So typically, um, CYS, when they become involved with the family, they are finding those kinship options, and then they are giving the referral to us to get those kinship options certified so that we can make sure all of their clearances are good. Um, We're providing trainings to those families. Um, Anything, we're teaching them how to advocate for the children as well if they're not sure. Um, We're making sure all of their medical appointments are taken care of, the child's education, anything that is involved. But if the county cannot find a kinship option at first, um, we do have um, services through the permanency department that are SWAN services that are child-specific recruitment. 
And that's where we're looking for those kinship options that the county might have missed or talking with the child one-on-one. So sometimes we do play a bigger role, but I would say that CYS is the primary um, entity looking for those kinship options. And then once those kinship options are found, um, Family Pathways is making sure that they're certified, they're safe, they're appropriate, and that they have any trainings and any assistance they may need to make sure that's a successful um, placement for that child or children. When talking about foster care, maybe not Butler specific, and I don't mean to put you on the spot with numbers, but roundly speaking, how many children uh, does Family Pathways work with to place into foster care? Maybe essentially the question is just how many kids are in foster care right now? Um, with Family Pathways, we're looking at numbers between working with children, um, about like 50 to 100 children at any point in time that we're working for. And we're just one agency in the area. So there's other agencies as well. Um, so that includes any county that we have, um, contracts with. So that's Butler, Mercer, Lawrence, and any county can pretty much call at any point and ask for a foster care placement and we can work with them. And so those numbers can always go up. But then on the other side, we have um, SWAN services that we're working with those children as well. So any child that comes into care, they can get services um, that are called child preparation and child profile. And if those services are referred, then we're working with that family even more. Um, so we have more agreements with like Allegheny County, um, Beaver County, such as that. So we're working with probably 50 to 150 children at a time with those services included in as well. So a lot moving parts happening here. Do you feel that people are surprised when they hear that number? Because it does seem maybe higher than what uh, an average person would think. Um, yeah, I think so. And um, when you think about all the services that children and family families are needing, then it's not even just um, – like the foster care department because we also have our clinical department as well so um the clinical department is working with those children in therapy and family therapy and um parent-child interaction therapy so there's a lot of services that go along with that so we're never um bored here we got a lot (laughs) going on so (laughs) that's why the big push for foster care families is so important right now because at any point a child can come into care and if a kinship option can't be located, then we need a family that's willing to step up and um, take care of that child until a kinship option can be found or until um, the child can be reunified with their parents. Talking with Kylie Shepik from uh, Family Pathways Permanency and Placement Coordinator about the foster care program. For and always like hearing success stories, Kylie, uh, when you have a family uh, or parents that are interested in becoming foster parents, uh, getting involved in foster care, in your experience, when you talk to folks who are doing it for the first time, what's their reaction uh, during this time? What benefits do they see? What success stories have you seen for those who get involved in foster care for really the first time? just how I worked with a family before and they said like they did all the trainings they had all the information but until those children were placed with them they didn't realize how much of a person they would change as well and how much they changed for the better how they learned more patience and being able to learn more about trauma and empathy towards people and not even realizing like 
a whole entity of a person, how much they can go through. And these are children as well. So you're really learning about like what these children go through and how they may act differently. But it's okay because you learn how to help the children through whatever they're processing, but they also help you go through whatever you're processing, right? Because we all go through things that may be, we have like hidden down and we didn't realize may come up to the surface once you have these children in your home. So I've had lots of people tell me that how this, how the experience of being a foster care parent has changed them to be a better person, a better parent, a better spouse. And it's great to hear that these children, you think that you're going into this to change a child's life, but really that child is probably going to change your life as well. One of the things, too, that stands out to me in the conversations we've had in the past is how hard Family Pathways and all the entities involved work to make sure that it is a good match, that you guys uh, really try to make sure that you understand the family uh, that will be uh, venturing into foster care and making sure that the child is a match with them. How does that process work? How how does Family Pathways and all the entities involved try to match those foster care children uh, with a family? So most foster care um, parents, they have like at minimum an age range that they're willing to accept. So we never want to push people outside of that age range. But if they're close to it or they said that they would maybe consider it, we always have like try to have as full transparency conversation with them as possible about what those child's needs are and um, what kind of services they'll need what kind of parenting structure they'll need like some children thrive in two parent households some children thrive in more of a one parent household some children need this service and this service so we like to make sure that the parents are prepped for whatever those children need but also we do get emergency calls as well sometimes when the county just needs a place for that child to sleep at least for the night so sometimes those matches are just based on emergency but once we have that child placed there then we can look for a home that might be a better fit for them as well but we really like to try to get it right the first time so that child isn't moving constantly from home to home i'm sure one of the things too for maybe families who are thinking about becoming foster parents uh they take a look at some of the process behind it and maybe look at it and go boy that seems like a lot of work but how does family pathways come in to help foster parents to walk them through that process to make it easier so we do all types of case management with the parents and um they can take the training as slow or as quickly as they would like. And right now we're gearing up to try to have um, a six-week training series for new foster parents coming in. So right now would be a great time if anybody's interested, if they would like to have these in-person trainings. But we also have trainings in a different way as well because we know some parents are working all types of hours and they can't always make a training. So we have a variety of options to make sure that parents get the trainings, the resources, anything that they need to become successful in this. And we allow the process to be slow. We've had families who have said that they want to be foster care parents and then some life happens and something interrupts that process so they take a pause and then a couple months later they say okay we got that resolved we want to continue forward so we will work with you in any capacity if you are interested in being it. it's not like you have to get it done within a certain amount of time um, we do like to make it as efficient as possible but we also understand that life happens and that um, sometimes it's not going to be within 
so long of a time period. So we are willing to work with families in any capacity. And Kylie Shepik, our guest from Family Pathways, the permanency and placement coordinator, uh, chatting about the foster care program uh, at the moment as well. So as uh, you become a a foster parent, foster family, uh, and you mentioned a little bit of it there, but Family Pathways is going to serve as a constant resource, right? It's not uh, the end of the conversation once the match and pairing happens, right? They Families and parents can really rely on you and Family Pathways as a good resource throughout this time, right? Yes. Yeah, so in our foster care um, department, somebody will come, be, come out to the home once a month to do a check-in. We provide a resource every month. We provide, like, that can be a training, and we try to tailor it to whatever that family needs. So if they have a child in their home that's going through um, potty training, then we provide a resource on that. If it's a child that may have been diagnosed with um, ADHD, ADD, um, maybe diabetes, something like that, we're going to provide a resource and a training for that family on that. So that family is getting supported in that. And if that family is looking for a training as well and looking for resources and is asking, is this an accurate picture of the child and what might they be going through? We will talk with them as well. And if we don't know the answer, we're going to find somebody that does know the answer. And with that as well, that family is going to be contacted once a week as well on those weeks that they're not getting a home visit. So we can do a phone call, we can do an email chat, whatever works best for that family, but we're keeping up to date with them on what's going in the home, what's going well, what's not going so well, and any resources that they may need. And if that family needs to come in for that child to have therapy here as well, we can get those um, uh, services set up for them as well. Or if the family's having a difficult time with the school, we can be an advocate for the family as well with the school. So the it's not that we train these families and we set them off free in the wild with these children we are trying to be there as much as possible and some families want us to be there every day if they can and other families are more minimal and they just want that support of that once a month or that once a week contact so whatever works best for that family we are willing to um, help them out with i'm sure it's kind of random uh, the types of families uh, that you see get involved but uh, are there families that have other children uh, that want to give their children more of a broad experience and bring in foster care? Are there empty nesters uh, that decide to go the foster care route? What types of families do you see uh, decide to make this move? Yeah, we see all types of families. We have single parent households. Um, we have families that have multiple children. We have families that are blended with um, stepchildren. We have families who have adopted in the past and have biological children of their own and also want to keep fostering. Um, We have families who are empty nesters. We have families who are coming towards retirement. And we also have families who are young. Like you can be a foster care caregiver at 21 years of age. So we have some families who are a little bit younger and starting their own families that are also being foster care families. So we have a very wide range of families. So a lot of people say it might not be the right time in their life to be a foster care um, caregiver, but really it can be at any time in your life. And that just goes to show with all the types of different families we have that um, they make it work and it's something that they want to do. So we support them in any way we can. For folks who are listening or may know of somebody to say, hey, I think this is something that we should really look into. How do you start that process? How do you start that conversation? 
So we usually invite them to our agency to have kind of an orientation about family pathways, the services that we provide, what foster care looks like. And then we go from there. Um, we also have to come out to the home and make sure it's appropriate. We like to do that before we start any of the serious paperwork, just because we don't want to get so far down the line and then have to turn around and say, oh, we can't certify you because of X, Y, and Z of your house. But most houses are certifiable as long as the child can have a bedroom. Um, children under the age of five, um, they can share with the same sex, but over the, than that, they have to have separate bedrooms. Um, and then we have like policies on um, medications being stored away and how guns have to be stored. But we have a lot, we are able to work with a lot of families to get their houses um, certified. I know people sometimes feel a little anxious around that, but as long as the house is appropriate and safe, we can usually get the family certified with their house. So um, if you rent, you can be a caregiver. If you um, only have one spare bedroom, you can be a caregiver. So we find a way to make it work for families as well. Is the easiest way to do it picking up the phone and calling? Can they check out the Family Pathways website? How do they start? Yeah, so I would say the easiest way is to call our number at 724-284-9440. And if you're interested in becoming a foster care caregiver, you would ask for Stephanie Hoffman. She does our intake for um, foster care parents. But you can also go to the website and check it out from there. And then um, our, like, general email address is on there as well, which should be pathways at familypathways.net for general information if you don't want to call in and you want to do an email instead. Awesome. So, again, those are the ways to reach out and contact uh, Family Pathways if you are interested in the foster care kinship program. Talking with Kylie Shepik, Permanency and Placement Coordinator with Family Pathways. Uh, Kylie, also around the corner, uh, is uh, Foster Care Awareness Month. Uh, when is that exactly? So, Foster Care Awareness Month is the month of May. And then before that, we also have um, Child Abuse Prevention Month, which is the month of April. And during these months, uh, and obviously these are two really important issues, uh, what are some of the things that Family Pathways is doing to help spread the word and help create that awareness? So in April, we usually have um, agreements or conversations with local coffee shops in the area. So um, like Penny's Coffee Shop, Vintage Coffee Shop on Main Street, um, Cummings as well. And we get, well, they either supply or we give out coffee sleeves. And on the coffee sleeves, we have children that may be in care. They may be in therapy. Um, they may just come to the um, Family Pathways for something else, biological children in the home. Um, we have them decorate little coffee sleeves. So um, we have them color. We, they put things on them. We do some here as well. The staff does just to get the word out. And then we always have a stamp on there about Child Abuse Prevention Month. So if you, during the month of April, you see that and you want to take a photo and put that on your Snapchat or Instagram or Facebook and help spread the word about um, Child Abuse Prevention Month. And then also throughout the county, you will probably see windmills at different organizations. And we're one of the organizations that does that as well. So we um, get windmills because that's another symbol of Child Abuse Prevention Month. And we put those out with the color blue as well for Child Abuse Prevention Month. And then in May, we always have a foster care awareness event. 
So in the past, we've done events at the bowling alley. We've done bingo here with really great prizes. And if you are an organization in the community that has donated to us for those prizes, we really, really appreciate it. The families always love the giveaways we are able to get for them. Um, this past November, we did the Altitude Trampoline Park, and families absolutely love that for national adoption awareness. Um, we've done events at the zoo. We've done events at Living Treasures. So we always invite all of our families to those events. And then we also invite families in the community that want to learn more about foster care as well to bring their children or to just come and learn more about foster care. So right now is a great time to find out more as we're gearing up for all these events coming up. Sounds like you've got a fairly busy plan here for 2024. Oh, yes, we are always. <laughs> January is our month to get ready for the new year and get all of our events coming up. So lots to do always. I'm sure these events so serve as a pretty good way for you to combine a fun activity with something that does deserve to have its message spread, whether it is foster care or child abuse prevention, uh, and gets you in front of more people than maybe typically. So these seems like some really good events, uh, like you said, not only just for the event side of it, but also for educational purposes. Yes, we always like to be putting out for um, educational materials, how to become foster care, to learn more about adoption and foster care, and just anything to help get the word out. Um, even if families just want to be a respite caregiver where they um, are a caregiver that takes care of a child like once a month for a weekend to help give a family a break for a period or if that family is going away for a business trip or something like that. So we have lots of ways for people to get involved in um, becoming a caregiver. And can people uh, check out the website to follow along with upcoming events? Um, so right now we are working on getting that geared up um, for our website and possibly our Facebook page. So it is definitely um, a work in progress, but we are planning on kind of launching that for the new year. So as of right now, no, but we are always try to get our events in um, the local newspaper or um, things like that. So hopefully with 2024, we will have the website up and coming with our events going on. Hey, we call that a tease in the business. Just wait for more. I like that idea. Kylie Shepik, <laughs> uh, again, permanency and placement coordinator uh, with Family Pathways. I want to circle back to child abuse prevention, and I'm sure we'll talk about it more in our conversations with Family Pathways uh, throughout the year. Uh, but this really does seem to be, uh, again, something that there's areas that maybe us in the public aren't as aware of or maybe some signs uh, that we need to be looking for is that kind of one of the big messages of child abuse prevention awareness is to be uh, members of the public looking out for some of those signs that maybe we're not initially in tune for yeah so that's one of the um, main goals of prevention month and just putting out um, some of the areas where um families may be struggling and more prone to um, have those things going on in their home. So definitely being on the lookout for things that children might be experiencing. Um, if children who were previously super involved in things and are starting to retreat or maybe children who are acting out differently um, than they were previously, those are signs possible signs of um, abuse happening in the home, but there can also be other explanations of why children may be acting that way. So a big thing is that um, 
if you are not a mandated reporter, which mandated reporters are, I'm a mandated reporter, school employees, um, if we suspect child abuse, we have to report it. But if you're not a mandated reporter, but you're seeing possible signs, then it's always a good idea to um, reach out to the child line to possibly make a report on that if you suspect there could be something going on. So um, we always say if you see something, um, say something. And the child line is an anonymous report, correct? Correct. Yes, it can be anonymous, but you can also, um, if you would like for it to be known, you can do it that way as well. Again, here with Kylie Shepik, uh, Permanency and Placement Coordinator, Family Pathways. Uh, how long have you been with Family Pathways, Kylie? Um, I just hit my two years. Oh, congratulations. Well, what can you say about, because I'm always fascinated in the conversations that I have with the folks from Family Pathways, because you do have, and I would imagine you would attest to this, a wide range of services that Family Pathways has to do, but it seems like uh, collectively as a group, you guys are very passionate about the things that you're advocating for. Yeah, so we have a lot going on always, and I like we try to work as a team to get everything done and accomplished. But yeah, I think there's a lot of if you don't have the passion for this line of work, then it's going to be a really difficult time to be here because of um, just some of the hardships you hear and see and things such as that. So if you don't have passion to help children and families um, through this time, then it just might not be the best avenue for you. But if you're really looking to help and get involved with families, then this is a great line of work to get in. And I'm sure then you can echo, and you talked about it a little bit more, but the it's circling back to foster care, I'm sure there's a lot of foster families then that say the same thing, that maybe initially they're like, oh, well, I don't know how it's going to go, but after the process, uh, that it is a very rewarding experience. Oh, definitely, yeah. I mean, there are hard days for any of the children, hard days for any of the families, but uh, we see a lot of families come back, even if a child is reunified. Um, we usually give families like a little bit of a break because that is like a grieving process as well. And some people don't recognize it as such, but if you've had a child in your home for months at a time and then they go home, you need a little time to um, grieve that and be okay with it and process through it. Um, just because your day-to-day -day life has probably changed immensely from that child departing from your home. so But usually after um, children are reunified, most families are saying like they want to sign up and they are ready to open their home for the next child that's in need. And again, I think that's just a, a really cool testament that Family Pathways is there for the whole process, like you said, from beginning and not even to the end, but even after potentially the, the child goes back uh, outside of the family. So I think that's a really great service that Family Pathways provides. Yeah, we love to see success stories um, in whatever way they are. Um, unfortunately, sometimes children are not able to be reunified. So if we see adoptions or permanent legal custodianships happen as well, we like to celebrate those as a family, but also understand that adoption and custodianship can be hard for the children as well as they grieve um, the potential of not being able to be reunified with their biological parents or biological caregivers. So we see um, the ups and downs of everything. So the reunification can be great for children and families, but it can also be hard on our foster care parents. And it can also be hard on the children that are care, possibly losing that day-to-day -day interaction with their foster parent as well.
there's a lot of a lot of great and good and happy times, but usually there's also simultaneously um, sad and hard times as well. So it's being able to balance both of those emotions at the same time and being okay with balancing both of those emotions at the same time. And that's what we like to be here for um, as we are doing that as well, because we get close to these families and the children as well. So Kylie, as our, our time is wrapping up, one more final time, if you could throw out the contact information for people, if they are interested in foster care, how do they start that conversation? Where do they need to contact? So the best way to contact would be to call Family Pathways at 724-284-9440. And then you'll ask for Stephanie Hoffman. She's our intake for foster care um, caregivers. But also, if you are not wanting to call, you can always check out our website and email to get general information. It's pathways at familypathways.net. Kylie Shepik, Permanency and Placement Coordinator with Family Pathways. Kylie, it's always good to chat with you. Thank you so much for having us. We appreciate it. If you missed any of our program, as always, you can check it out online, WISR680.com. I'm Tyler Friel saying so long for now.